Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Word is opened up where you are able to speak to an area of our life that no one is speaking to, Lord. And many don't even want to hear or be spoken to in this realm of their life. But we have come here today, Lord, because we need you. We've come here today to worship you. We've come here today to hear from you, that you might speak to our hearts, and that as you shed your word into our lives, it would be like a lamp that shines in darkness, that it would be like rain that falls from the heaven on a desert place, that it would be wisdom in a place where foolishness has run rampant. Father, we pray that your word this morning would be like a double-edged sword, and it would reach the deeper parts of our being, Lord. And there it would divide the difference between spiritual things and soulish things, so that we might be healed. As a surgeon who surgically removes and, and cuts and removes those things that are depriving us of life, Lord, we pray, Father God, that your word would cut away from our life those things that are bringing death. And I pray, Father God, that you prosper your word in our hearts, that we might have understanding, that we might know what you want us to know and live like you want us to live. Bless and prosper your word in our hearts and all those people who hear this message, Lord. Let it have a transforming, impacting effect, Lord, so that they would never be the same. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want to start out with what becomes... the finger of anyone who would come and try to fix your life. Someone who's going to put, pinpoint what is going on. And that, that verse is found in Lamentations. And how, what an appropriate book to find these words written. Lamentations means mourning, means crying, means you're desperate, means that, that everything is upside down. And in the if you read chapter 3, if you read chapter 3, you'll see in verse 1 he says, I am the man who has seen affliction because of the rod of his wrath. This is a man who has suffered. He has suffered something called affliction. Affliction is a horrible state of affairs. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen somebody afflicted, somebody who's hurt, somebody who's desperate. And he says, I am that man who have found myself suffering because of the consequences of the wrath of the Lord. And so he begins to describe in verse 2, God has led me and made me walk in darkness and not in light. You guys know when it's gloomy, when you're desperate? When, when there is no light in the horizon, I want to tell you that that's where I was the day that somebody came to me and talked to me about Jesus Christ. My life was a dark tunnel going ever darker. I didn't see a way out. I was 16 years old and I was through with life and I did not want to experience the future phases of the journeys I was traveling on except one day the Lord put a little, when I heard the 
the hope there is in Jesus Christ. And maybe that's why you're here today. Somebody says, you got to go there. you got to go to church. And when I heard those words, um, I was cynical. I didn't believe them. It was like, yeah, right. Like if church is going to be the answer. Like if, like if God, like if religion is going to fix my situation. Well, when, when I heard those words and I, I, I went a little bit deeper, at the end of my dark tunnel, there was a little spark of light that said like this, what if it's true? What if, if there is a way out? What if I can find light in my travels? And he's sitting there saying, my life was dark. There was no light in my life. He's led me and made me to walk in darkness and not in light. Surely he has turned his hand against me time and time again. Every day I wake up, I'm going to be surrounded by bitterness and woe. If you read with me verse 4, he says all day long, every day, he has aged my flesh. I'm, I'm 20, but I feel like I'm 40. I'm 40, but I feel like I'm 80. He's made me to age. He's broken my bones. I don't feel like getting up out of bed. He has besieged me, verse 5. He surrounded me with bitterness and woe. Bitterness and hardship, verse 5. This is, you know, maybe it's you this morning. Or maybe it was you a couple of years ago. We should never forget where we've come from. And not only that, we should remember that a great majority of the world, our friends, our family, our loved ones, are going through this reality. You, you can't call them gloomy. You can't call them, oh, this guy's always upside. No. There is a state of anguish and affliction that is common to all men. And it has its source, it has its, its destiny, it has its power to strip you and to deprive you of what should be your enjoyment. You should have a, a great husband. You should have a great marriage. You should have a great family. You should have an awesome father. You should have an awesome big brother and an awesome little brother. And all these dynamics to our life that are supposed to be in a perfect state of harmony and enjoyment have all been bent out of shape. We have horrible fathers. We have horrible moms. We have horrible marriages. Our families are plagued with nightmarish relationships. We have to start our marriage with a prenuptial agreement. Why? Because you know you're not looking for prosperity, happiness, and joy with that person you've met. And this is not normal. It's abnormal for you to start a marriage telling your wife, I don't trust you. You don't love me enough. You can have the potential to destroy me. It's not normal to have a son that you give everything to and then he's going to do his own thing. It's not normal. And so this is a state that is desperately bitter, desperately hard. And it it is so hard that some of these young people that have gone through the first half of their life now begin to, to suffer great depth of hurt where they begin to pierce themselves. I'm going to hurt myself. I'm gonna, these kids that are called emos, they cut themselves. They mutilate their own bodies. They don't take care of themselves. They degenerate themselves. We, we degenerate women. We degenerate our marriages, our friendships. And it all has 
this, this horrible, bitter taste to it. But so he ends this chapter with a solution. And I want, I want you not only to consider, we have green lights up here, we have uh, purple lights up here. Please fix the lights when you guys get a chance. Call Willie. Uh, let me ask you guys a, a question. Ready for this? Here's the question. How do we get out of this horrible state, number one, and number two, how do we stay out of it? And then number three, how do we help other people that are in a desperate state of hopelessness? How do we get them out into what God offers? And, and watch what it says here. And it's in Lamentations 3. And it's in verse, let me find it real quick. Verse 40. Here's what the Word of God says. It's Lamentations 3.40. Let us search out. The word search out means examine our ways. Let's test to see what the heck is going on. Whenever anything is broken, you test it. You try to figure out what it is. You try and figure out what's wrong. How do we fix it? You investigate. You examine. And then you figure out a way to how you can return to the Lord. Because that is what's going on. We're far from God. We don't listen to God. We don't inquire of God. We don't ask God. We're doing our own thing. And the destiny of doing our own thing is horrible. This young man I was talking to yesterday. His name is Michael. He grew up in the church. He grew up in the church. In the age of six, seven, eight years old. He's 26. That means 20 years have gone by. Now he's full of tattoos, he's smoking cigarettes, he's cursing his dad, he curses his job, he curses the future, he curses the past. And when I talk to him about God, he says, you're never going to be able to talk to me more about God than my mother does. My mother has tried all she has. Well, guess what? Your answer is not your mother. Your answer is return to the Lord. Where is God in your life? Why are you traveling in another journey? Why are you going in another destiny? If God has a fabulous, terrific future, why are you taking a right turn when he says to keep going straight? And it says there, let us search out, examine. Uh, the, the thought of this verse is let's go a little deeper into the surface. Let's, let's go not only on the superficial, but let's go deeper into what's going on. And we will, we will recognize something that we should all look at. Let's turn back to the Lord. Let's lift our hands and our hearts to the God of heaven. This is when my life turned around. At the age of 16 when I said, God, I want to start doing things your way. I want to learn your commands. I want to learn the boundaries of your blessing. Where is it that, that the sun shines? Where is it that the, the rainbow comes out after the storm? And it's, it's making something deeper than just a superficial, but lifting your hearts to the Lord. Offering your hands up to God. He's in the heavens. And then the next verse tells you what's going on. For we have transgressed and rebelled. And the whole issue is that you have not forgiven us. We're still 
we're still outside of your parameters. We're outside of your thoughts. We're outside of your words. We're outside of your commandments. That's, that's the state of affairs for our life today. And, and you know something? Some of us don't think it's a big deal to be far from God's command. We don't think it's a big deal to break His laws. And your children ask you, what happened with dad? Why is he not home? Tell them, because me and your dad did not do things God's way. And if you were to do things God's way, blessing and peace and prosperity would be your inheritance. Good things would come upon you. And not the nightmare you have lived all of your life. What has taken place is we didn't listen. We didn't know God. And that's, that's, you know, that's a, an admission that we all have to make. My dad did not bring our family to the Lord till he was 49. I was 20 years old. So I had lived 20 years of my life in total worldly, non-godly, non-biblical blessing. Yeah, we, we had good things. There were good things taking place. But you can define our life by sin. Can you say that word with me? Sin. Sin was in my life. Sin was in my dad's life. Sin was in our home. Sin was the environment we cultivated. And, and we, it's a little word, and it doesn't sound very big, but you'll see today that our attitude and perspective towards sin needs to be, needs to be radical with no tolerance, only because sin brings an infection called death, destruction. And we don't understand that. That's why we continue to flirt with sin. That's why we continue to entertain sinful thoughts. That's why we, we count it kind of funny when we have bad thoughts that are sinful. Because we don't understand the full process of sin. And if I would do my job this morning, I, I hope I'm able to give you a perspective of sin that will change your life and be able to you to grab on and go and change the world and have convictions of incredible what what sin does but this man figures out that his affliction his bitterness his hardship a horrible torrent of nightmarish day after day surrounded by continual onslaughting of enemies that are destroying his happiness he says let me turn back to God let my heart get right with God let my, let my hands be lifted up so I could, I could ask God for celestial accountability. Lord, I don't care what happens or how it happens. I want to be right with you. And we've become so relative that when you tell somebody stop sinning, they say, well, it all depends where you live. It depends who you hang out with. You know, what's the, my little brother once told me, he says, uh, having sex with your with your girlfriend is not bad if you love her. And I looked at him, I said, listen to me. You are a nut. Because if you're not married in the sight of God with a covenant oath of before God and before man to honor that woman, you're not to have sex with her, period. So how do we play with that so it's right? And we don't know that sin is eating our lunch. That the devastation of not living like God wants us to live is subtracting the joy, the peace, and the fruitfulness that God intends. So we're living in a crazy age. I've, I've uh, blown up a picture here. 
I don't know if you could see it. And this is how people are dealing with sin nowadays. I don't know if you see it there on my thing. They're wearing a necktie. They think that a python around your neck is attractive. Where you, 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 you accommodate sin. You make it dignified. Oh, this is just my philosophical reality. No, my friend. The wages of sin are death. Deep, deep destruction. In every form. And we don't understand that yet. That's why we continue to cater to sin. We accommodate sin. We, we, we modify and place sin in delightful portions. And I want to tell you that, that God has created the whole universe. This is very important. Very important that you would understand that God never intended man to sin. That's not part of his plan. It's not part of his purpose. Whenever you're sinning, whenever I'm sinning, we're departing from God's plan. We're departing from his purpose. And that wouldn't be so travesty, that wouldn't be so devastating as the result and the consequences of our sin is leading us to an incredible, hurtful, painful place. And this is where the prodigal son found himself destitute from everything that God had for him. This is where Lot found himself destitute of a legacy for his daughters. Where now his daughters had to have sex with him to have lineage. Because he took them to a place God never intended them to go. That's why Samson was not able to become the prince of God. Wherever you see sin, you see some horrible consequences. And as I see this and as I, I understand this, I'm saying, Lord, why is it that we not... Why is it that we have not become a little bit more profound in our understanding? Because, look, we might not be alcoholics, we might not be drug addicts, but sin is just as devastating in its smaller portions. When you could accommodate it in your life somewhere, when you can dress it up, when you could fancy it, and I would tell you that it's almost like a cyanide pill. It's devastating poison, and it, it'll lift up its ugly head, and, and when you least want it to appear, there it goes. There it goes. It takes you prisoner. Takes you prisoner to where you don't want to go. And so everything has been established from the beginning by God. And let us start in Psalm 119, verse 89. It says, forever. That means always. Those of guys that are modern and decide the Bible's no longer good, and you could adjust it a little bit because we're living in the modern days. You're a fool and you're a liar. Let God be true and every man a liar. Why? Because the Bible clearly says in Psalm 119 verse 89, your word is settled in the heavens forever. It stands firm. Your word is eternal. It's, it's established from the throne of God. That's where this stuff comes from. You could play your religious games. You could alter it. You can sit there. I, I was talking to a guy yesterday at breakfast, and our brother Louie was there. And I said, you're commanded to love your wife. And he goes, that's your Bible. I said, no, my friend. There's only one Bible. It's God's, and it's a commandment. He says, well, I don't care. I go, I know you don't care. I know you don't care. But it's the commandment of the Lord, and that commandment came from heaven. You can say amen right there. The commandment came from heaven. And you're commanded to love your wife. It's not make love to her. It's love her. 
It's a commandment. And to not do that is sin. And you will be the one who suffers not having loved your wife. And we don't hear this in church anymore. We don't hear messages on sin. And again, listen, I'm not talking about, you know, having a growth house or, or, or raping a child. I'm not talking about that. I'm, listen to me. Sin. Sin. It knocked down the first of man's creation, Adam and Eve, and it came into the world. And as next generation, Cain was told, sin comes knocking at your door. Has sin ever come knocking at your door? Of course, every day. And its desire is to devour and lord itself over you. Sin wants to be your master. So if we're going to have a perspective on sin, it's not something that's trainable and, and able to be modified and located and left in a place. No, sin, although it's a small little whoop, it becomes a giant and begins to enslave you to walk in its order. Don't think you're going to be able to put sin in an area of your life. No. It grows up. And when it is mature, the Bible says, it brings death. What that man is talking about. Hardship, bitterness, difficulties, no light, darkness, the pit, the anguish. In biblical times, the symbolism was leprosy. You know what leprosy does? It makes you fall apart. And sin in your life, you, you could eat it like a biscuit. You could, you could taste it like a, a delightful morsel. It'll make you fall apart. It'll make all things in your life fall apart. So everything starts from how it's been established in the heavens. Uh, returning to the Lord. Asking us to examine our ways and to come back to God is to say, Lord, help me line up with you. Help me that your commandments would be boundaries of blessing. Help me understand where they are so I do not feel. See the difference between this hole here and the stage? If I were to step here, I would probably break a leg. Because there's boundaries of blessing if I stay within the format. Within the platform of his commandments, I sin not. Matthew 24, 35, Jesus says, All heavens and the earth will cease, but my words will abide forever. My words will not pass away. If God says something is wrong, put your seal on it. Sooner or later, it will reveal itself for what God has said. Don't play with God's word. I had friends of mine that were growing up smoking marijuana. They would look up in their Bible and says, look here, it, there's nothing here that says no marijuana. There's nothing in these pages that says there's no crack. That is a fool, my friend. The Bible says, depart from every form or appearance of evil. Depart from it. Get away from it. Why? It will destroy you. It will destroy those that are around you. Uh, men who are strong at drink and their children learn how to drink and are lost. Your loss will be devastating. Your sin will find you out. It will manifest in a moment. In James chapter uh, 1 verse 14. This is where I started my journey when I got to church. First I knew God had a plan for me to not suffer. I thought I had to come into the world to suffer. And then I learned if I do things God's way I won't suffer. 
So that's why I become radical at learning what God wants me to do and doing it His way. Even though I don't understand it. I want to do things God's way so I can experience joy, peace, and a fruitful life. Prosperous. want things to go right. But I, I saw this verse when I was 16 years old. I used to blame God and say, God, why are you putting temptation in front of me? You're the reason I sin. If you didn't put sin in front of me, I wouldn't fall. And God says, Joaquin, come here. Let me show you something. Each one is tempted when he's drawn away, dragged away by his own desire. I said, oops. You mean it's my desire that's dragging me away from you? Yes. You mean it's the things that I want? I said, okay, God, then you put the things you want in my heart. Put, put things, make me attractive to the things that you desire. I don't want to be attractive anymore to sin because sin brings a horrible weight of guilt. It brings a horrible weight of health issue. It brings a horrible weight of things that God never intended. So each one is dragged away, say, by my own evil desire. I had a young man that came to the church. He says, I just like it. I'm gay. I like it. I go, I know you do. And I used to like to steal. And some other guy likes to be a womanizer. And the other guy likes to be a thief. And the other guy likes to disobey his parents. But they all have to repent. You can say amen there too. They all have to turn from their wicked ways. That's the calling of God. Repent. Turn around. Get out of there. Book it. Leave. Scooch, get out of there. Because what's going to come down the road is a horrible reality of the consequences of your sin. What are those consequences? Look, we're dragged away by our own evil desire. Enticed means seduced. That means the nature is pulling you strong in a way that does not please God. What's the next verse say? Verse 15. Then after you're pulled away, and after you're dragged away, and after you're walking in the direction of your own evil desire, it says... After your desire has conceived, your desire leads you to, to interact there, to have intimacy and connect with things that God never wanted you to connect with. It gives birth to sin. The desire is not sin. Sin is what the desire leads you to. So your evil desire leads you to a place where you start negotiating. And I want to tell you that that when God created everything in his order, according to his word and commandments, um, it was true love. It was true peace. There was, there was a true order. Can you say with me truth? What's the opposite of truth? Lie. And sin is taking you on the route of lies. Sin is deception. When, when Adam and Eve went to the fruit, they were deceived and they were led to sin. And then they lost the glory of God. They lost the, the plans of God for their lives. They lost it. They lost it for you and I. The one man sinned and sinned entered to the whole world. So we lost what God had planned. So the next aspect is, is that um, whenever you're deceived and drawn away, you conceive something called sin. And look what it says about sin. Verse 15. James 1.15, when the evil desire conceives, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully matured, when it's full grown, when you have the full manifestation of your ugly desire, gives birth to death. What is death? 
Death is that devastating destruction. It's not only physical death, man. It's, it means separation from everything God intended. Separation from all the plans of God. Separation from all the purposes of God. Separation from the true joy, the true love, true intimacy, like pornography. It promises to please, but it enslaves you. It promises to provide, and it ends up eating your lunch. It eats your peace. It torments you. One of the young men that was telling me last year that was addicted to pornography says, I have to watch it four to five hours a day. I have no peace. I have huge depression. My, my total depravity, I don't want to live no more because I've been eaten off the devil's muck. Another young man came up to me and says, Pastor, I want to take my life. I said, what in this book have you done? What, what order of God have you not kept? And he said, all of it. I don't do anything that's in the Bible. I, everything the Bible says, I do the opposite. I said, you should want to die. That's, the, that's what sin brings, a desire to no longer live. We don't have that perspective in the church anymore. We have educated ourselves to, to not talk about sin, to not understand when it is fully matured. It brings forth destruction we can't even understand, shameful to talk about. And so it says in verse 16, it says, So therefore, my brethren, do not be misled. Do not be deceived. Don't let the devil, don't let sin, don't let these things take you out of God's journey. Don't, don't justify your sin. Don't let sin come and, and bring you out of God's line. It, it says one of, the, one of the translations for sin is moral obliquity. What a, what, a, what a weird name. Moral obliquity. It comes from the word oblique, which means you've lost your way. That's why the people that are in sin say, I don't know who I am. I don't know where I'm going. I don't have any hope. I have no destiny. I have no provision. I don't know what's going on. That's moral obliquity where you've lost your, your, your line. You've lost your pattern. And when you're getting sin out of your life, you're saying, I'm not going astray. I'm not going outside of God's boundaries. Why? Romans 6.23. Because the consequences to sin is death. Romans 6.23. The consequences, how the devil pays, how sin pays, is destruction. So from time to time now, it's been 28 years since I've been a Christian, and now when I see sin, I try to run. When I see an invitation to do that which is wrong, I run. I don't want to be around it. People say, why don't you go here? Because I don't want to be around sin. I don't want to have the opportunity to mess up my life. And then this could happen even at home. You don't even have to go anywhere to sin. You could sin right there at home. And so with great desire and exercise, I try to keep sin out of my life. I, I try to identify what is sin. You know what? We're very good at, 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 at decorating sin. And we're not to be good at decorating sin. We've got to put it out of our lives. The Bible says in Romans 6, 12, don't let sin be, have a throne in your life anymore. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body. Can you tell sin, I'm not going to do that? I'm not going to walk in your direction. I'm not going to walk in your thoughts. I'm not going to walk in your words. I'm not going to walk in your reactions. 
Last week we were putting tile into my house and, and the tile place misordered and gave us the wrong tile. And I went there and I had all the mind to be able to tell those people a piece of my mind. And I said, I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to go there. But you should. You have the right to. I'm not going to go there because it never turns out right. It never ends out right. If I choose another path, God will open another way. And he did. We got a tremendous design there on our terrace. Tremendous. But, but we had all the, all the ingredients to sin, and I said, no! It's not going to happen. It's not going to take my thoughts. It's not going to take my words. I'm not going to walk in that direction because I know the end is confusion, is affliction, is hardship, is bitterness. I'm not going to do that. But this is 28 years later. If it would have happened 28 years, it would have been a different story. Maybe it would have had a different consequence. So it says there, don't let sin tell you what to do so that you obey its evil desire. Hey, throw a rock through that window. No. Hey, run away. No. Hey, don't listen to your mom. No. Disrespect your wife. No. Get sin out of your life in every form, in every, every aspect. Because it's ugly when it is full grown and matured. Its consequences are devastating. It says, don't let it rain that you should obey its lust, your evil desires. Verse 13, neither yield your members. Don't allow your hands, don't allow your, your mouths, don't allow your ears, your eyes. Don't yield. That means don't come under sin. Don't yield your members to sin. But offer the instruments of your body to God. Say, God, use this for your glory. I told that 26-year-old young man, do you know my 13-year-old son is inside? He's half your age. You're 26, he's 13. Do you know that what you're doing is going to confuse him when you say you're a Christian, when you say to him that your mom taught you how to be a man of God? You look nothing like a man of God. You're obeying sin. You're enslaved by sin. Sin is mastered over you. You look sinful. You walk sinful. You're in the path of sinners. That's not what we're called to. But that's the consequence of our suffering. Don't give over your life to sin so that it does. Verse 14. So when you don't give your life over to sin, then sin shall not be your master. Then sin is no longer telling you what to do. And that was my game plan. There was a time in my life I was young. I was about 16. And sin told me what to do all the time. Lie, steal, cheat, get upset, curse. So I was always doing what sin was telling me to do. And I made a decision. I said, from this day forward, I'm going to transfer over from a kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. From this day forward, Jesus Christ will be my master. Jesus will tell me where to go, what to do, how to talk, where to walk. And I will live a life of sheer joy, peace, and abundance. And that's, that's what's happened. So today, I bring back to recollection that we're to return to the Lord. Let's examine our ways. Let's find out where sin has sneaked in and has accommodated itself. Listen to me. The root of all sin, say with me, is selfishness. It's the root of all sin. You're thinking about you. You care only about you. You love only yourself. But Jesus came and opened a new way so you could crucify yourself. You can put yourself on that cross right there. 
You can say, no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I'm going to talk like Jesus wants me to talk. I'm going to confront adversity the way he wants me to. I'm going to think about answers and not about problems. When you're in a sinful state, all you see are problems. But when you're in Christ, all you know is how to wait for the answer. How the answer is coming your way. And where is it coming from? From heaven. It's not coming from what people do around you. It's coming from a God who loves you up above. And so you wait upon the Lord. You return to the Lord with your heart, with your hands. Don't let sin have its way so it's not your master, it says there in verse 14. Romans 6, 14. Sin should not be your master. Because you're under another regimen. You're not under forced labor to have to sin. Jesus came to set you free. Romans 6, 6 says, He came so that the body of sin might be destroyed. That you should no longer have to be slaves to sin. Hey, you! Run away from home. Hey, you! Tell your mom she's a witch. Hey, you! Make sure you terrorize your neighborhood. No! It's not your master. You could be a great man of God. You could be a great young man. You could rise up. And that's what I did. I rise up to be a prince and not a man who's filled with pride serving myself. It's, it's very important what Jesus came to do in our lives. Now look what he says. Real interesting words there. In Romans 7, 13, the next chapter. Is, are the commandments bad? Because if I didn't have to keep commandments, then I would be a good person. How many say amen? If I didn't have to get married, I'd be a good person. But I didn't get married, so that puts me in the bad column. If, I, if stealing wasn't a commandment, then everything I take, I would be Robin Hood. I'd be a good person. No. The commandment is not bad. Sin is bad. The commandment didn't bring sin. Sin has used the commandment in a very perverted way. Listen what it says, Romans 7, 13. Did that which is good, God's commandments, become to me death? Did God put those things there to kill me? I mean, he knew I wasn't perfect. Why did he put all these things there? He should take some out of the way. I'd be a good son, even though I curse my mom. I'd be a good son, even though I don't listen to my dad. No, it's not the commandment that's bad. But in order that sin might be recognized as sin... If he didn't give us the commandment, we wouldn't know when we did wrong. So the commandment is there, and it produced death in me through that which is good. What's good? The commandment. Sin brings death when we violate the commandment. Look at what it says here. So that through the commandment, sin might become heinously grotesque, utterly sinful. Uh, that word is, is like, have you seen these new commercials, the guy's smoking and his skin is falling off and he's rotting? You, you can't tell what nicotine does to you and the cancer it brings because when you do it, nothing's happening. So the commercials are saying, okay, let's, let's pull this forward 50 years. And the Marlboro old man, that sleek 1970s good-looking playboy was with the saddle on his back, all the women were, ah! And this guy was, was, was advertising Marlboro, the, the Marlboro man. Well, four years ago, he came out in the Miami Herald with a huge article because he was dying of cancer. And he was trying to sue the cigarette company. And he's saying, look what they did to me. I said, no, my friend, they didn't do nothing to you. You thought your sin would not destroy you. 
And this is the message this morning. Lot didn't think he would lose his family. He didn't think he would have to lose his assets. But he wasn't able to discern. Say with me, discern. He wasn't able to undisguise sin in his life. He justified it. Look at the valley, how beautiful, how attractive it is. I'm going to go there and make myself a millionaire. And the truth is, he left with only his underwear. And he lost his wife. He lost his family. He lost his son-in-laws. He lost his legacy. He lost his treasure. Why? It wasn't because Sodom was bad. It was because of sin. Don't blame other people. Get sin out of your life. Get sin out of the life of those people you love. Treat it like the most heinous. It says it was, it was that through the commandment, sin, God placed these commandments there to show you how wicked we are. And those of us that walk within his commandments, whose, he says, David says, your commandments are my delight. Instruct me in your ways so that I can have peace. Psalm 119, verse 165, somebody told me yesterday, I'm looking for peace. Do you know a good psychiatrist that could give me some real good pills so I could sleep all month long? I said, no, my friend, come with me and look at Psalm 119, verse 165. Psalm 119, 165. It says like this, great peace. You guys have 65 up there. It's 165. Great peace have those who delight in your commandments. Nothing makes them fall. Nothing makes them deviate from your path of blessing. When we find what the commandments of the Lord, and that's what I had to do as a young person. First, I recognized that my awful state was not my mom and dad, was not my horrible broken home. My awful state of sadness was me. I was far from God. I did not read a Bible. I didn't even know what a Bible was. So I started understanding that sin was making my life horrible. And I had to get sin out of my life. I thought God was putting sin in my life to make me fall, to prove I was weak. No, I was attracted to sin. And now I had to ask God, attract me to good things. I don't want to be attracted to the bad guys, to the, to the delinquents, to the guys who do things wrong. I was a great delinquent. I did everything wrong in front of my teachers, my, my family, my neighborhood. Just a clown. And so God taught me how to change my ways and start walking according to his laws, towards his commandments, towards his design. Say with me, design. It's his design. This guy yesterday, love your wife. Oh, that's what you think. No, that's what God thinks. Because he has a great plan for you to inherit a great marriage, to have a great family, to be proud. Not to have a broken family. That's not God's plan. But great peace comes to those who love the commandment. And it's not there for bad, it's there for good. But sin takes advantage of those commands and deceives us. And then it uses these commands. Romans 7, 11. Listen to what it says. The devil, not the devil, sin uses God's command to kill me. Sin seizes the opportunity that the command brings to show me what's right and wrong to deceive me. Sin takes advantage and deceives me. And because the commandment is there and I'm not living according to God's boundaries, then I am put to death. That's the state of horrible mess that we put ourselves in. We're entrapped, we're cheated, and sin is using all this to destroy me. Hebrews 12.1 says like this, Make sure that as you're running this race, don't let sin entangle you. 
Romans 12.1, since we're running this race in front of a cloud of witnesses, let us throw off sin. You had it right, Hebrews 12.1. Let us throw off sin, everything that hinders you, and the sin that so easily, man, you know something, when, you, when you're trying to do righteousness, it's hard, man. To get up to go to church, man, it's hard. To get up to go to school, man, it's hard. But to go party, to go, to go have a great time, man, I could do that like this. My mom didn't even have to set the alarm. She didn't even have to bother me. I'm there, I'm dressed, I'm going to go party. But then going to church and going to do the right things, it's hard. But the sin so easily entangles those that are running this race. And, and when you're entangled, you can't run. You know, one of the things that killed this crocodile man, forgot what his name is, Steve Irwin. He was swimming in Australia, and some stingrays pierced, I think it was his heart, with something called the stinger. See, you know something? Death would never be able to get onto you. The destruction of man, the things that we suffered, the afflictions, would never be able to come into our life if it wasn't for sin. And so this verse I found in 1 Corinthians 15, 56. 1 Corinthians 15, 56 says like this. Death's stinger, the sting of death, the stinger, that x-ray thing that killed Steve Irwin, is sin. And the power of sin is when we forsake the law. That's where, that's where it's all on us. But we're living in a generation now that wherever you go to speak about this topic, people are so saturated in this leper colony of sin. And they celebrate sin, and they make fun of sin, and they think, I mean, this guy yesterday, this guy was sitting there having breakfast with us, and he was showing his friend a whole bunch of naked girls he was with, and his friend's wife came in, and, and they went, and they're mocking sin. And I'm saying, you know, that God doesn't want that for you. God wants you to be a great husband and a great father to your children. You can say amen there too. God wants you to be a great husband and a great father. Not to be mocking about sin. Not to be bragging about the fact you have girlfriends. You have two sons, a 10-year-old and an 8-year-old. And you're their hero. And they want you to be their champion. And you know whose last name they carry? Yours. What are you giving them? Bunch of sin. Celebrating sin. Proverbs 14.9 says, A fool mocks at sin. He, that word mock means he makes it light. He says getting right with the life of sin is foolishness. But there's favor from the Lord from those of us who do. I'm telling you this morning, I want to search my life this morning, and I want to get every dimension of sin out of my life. I want to get any pseudo dressed up sin that I justify, I want it out of my life. You know why? Because it's a Trojan horse. It's full with a bunch of enemies that are coming into my life to take from me what God wants to give me. To deprive me the joy and the peace God has for me. And this is a reality. And, and yeah, we're talking about an ancient concept, but it's a, it's a modern concept also. And it's saturated our life in every Every form. We're saturated. In Proverbs 9 verse 12 says, If you become wise, you will be the one who benefits. If you walk in wisdom, you, my friend, listen to me. This morning, this message is for your benefit. Now, don't say, oh, uh, they brought me here. I don't want to be here. Listen to me. It's for you. You're the one that benefits. But if you're a mocker, 
If you make fun of these things, you make light of these things, you're the one, say with me, to suffer. You're going to suffer, my friend. You're going to suffer. We have a brother here in the church. His, his, his brother went to Vietnam. He fought in the Iraq War. He thought he was a macho man. He thought he was a playboy. He moved to Santo Domingo for 20 years. He thought he was a town playboy. His father had money. And guess what? He's no longer with us. He died of AIDS. He was so aching, so terribly aching in his physical body. The nurses had to read. He says, could you please read to me the Psalms? That's not what God has for us. That's not the future God has planned for us. Let's, let's return to the Lord. Let's meditate on our ways. Do, do you really have, we've lost those boundaries of God. We've lost those orders. You'll be the one to suffer, no one else. I'll be the one to suffer. Those places in my life that I'm acting foolishly, where I'm not following God's lead. 1 John 3, 4 says, Everyone who commits sin is guilty of not keeping the commandment. Everyone who sins is breaking God's commandment. In fact, sin is living a life without commandment. How many of those here that have no commandments in your life? You do whatever you want, however you want. And you justify it. You run. You come. You go. You're, 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 you're living without commandments. And that, my friend, is going to lead you to suffering. And I'm sorry for you. And I, I'm sorry for myself in those areas that I'm dropping the ball or, or, or living such as if God didn't say anything. Remember how the devil deceived the first man? Oh, did God say I don't know what God said. I'm playing with what God said. I don't know what God said. This guy says, I don't know what's in the Bible. Yeah, because you never read it. You're not interested in knowing God's law. You, you've decided already to say that this is not the Bible. You've already decided. The Bible has been translated. So many, and so you've kicked out the commandment out of your life. So you know what? You're walking in sin. Because lawlessness is sin. Walking without commandments in your life is sinful. I want to invite you this morning I think God has been faithful. In Isaiah 59, verse 2, it says, All sins are an offense to God. And they separate us from God. And I think that that's why God wants sin out of our life. Because in those areas where we're sinning, they separate us from God. And God did everything, including giving us his son on the cross, so that he would deal with sin in this world. If you read with me Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, the son, talking about Jesus. And this, is, this, is, this guy is the warrior against sin. That's why when you invite him in your life, he starts declaring everything that's sin in your life. He wants it out for your benefit, for you to get closer to God. And he says, the son who radiates the glory of God, the exact representation of who God is, he is the one that has put everything in place by his powerful word. He's the one that set the commandments. He's the one that set up the standards of, of submission, of family, of honor, of purity, of sexual integrity, of, of peaceful thoughts. The devil, doesn't, the devil wants to torment you with sin. God wants to give you peace. He's put everything in place by his powerful word. After he provided the dealing of our sins... After Jesus came and just kicked sin out of this world, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's an awesome. Just for that, we should worship God every Sunday. We should be here at the front seat going, to God be the glory. God, you have dealt with sin in our family. You have dealt with sin in our life. You have dealt with sin in our thoughts, in our words. You're the King of kings. You're the King of glory. You're the Lord of lords. He's dealt with sin. And then he sat down at the right hand of the Father up in heaven, waiting for us to live this life sinless, without having sin, have dominion for us. 
having dominion over us, mastering. Guess what, guys? I'm going to tell you something. Sin no longer has a hold on us. We have no... We don't have to walk like he wants us to walk. In the passions, in the lust of the flesh, in the lust of the eyes. We could say, no! Not going to do that. In Jesus' name, by the power of God, keeping the commandments through what Jesus did through his grace. Let's stand this morning. And I want to invite you this morning, if you want to bring fulfillment to this word. In Lamentations 3, verse 40. As we... Deliver this word of the Lord for you, and I guarantee you the Lord knew you were going to be here. He knew you were going to be desperate. He knew you wanted an answer, and he provided. How many say amen? amen. How many God gave an answer to? Amen. Come on, raise your hand. Say, God gave me the answer. Now I know what I'm going to do. Now I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get sin out of my life. Wherever sin pops up its ugly head, its attractive head, I'm going to say, no. I'm not going to walk what you want me to do because you're going to lead me astray. So I invite you to respond to Lamentations 3, verse 40, where it says, let us search out our hearts and examine our ways. Let's turn back to God. You know, this is called an altar here this morning. Can you please come to God? Could you please turn back to God and say, and do it as a, as a physical sign that there's an inward desire to walk in God's commands, to walk in God's direction, to feel the peace and the joy God intended, to see the light at the end of the tunnel, can you please come to the altar today? I want to pray for you. Come forward. Get sin out of your families. Get sin out of your life. Get selfishness out of your relationships. Come forward. Don't look to the side. Get sin out of your life. Tell sin it has no place anymore. As we sing this song, you guys are turning your hearts and your hands towards the heavens. You're saying, Lord, thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you that you destroyed the power of sin. It no longer has dominion over me. It's no longer going to tell me what to do. I'm going to live for your glory, for your honor, for your power. As we sing this song, you guys are talking with God in your own words. At your feet, Jesus. Lord, I bow. Search me, O God, and know me now. Take this sin from my life. I want to be just as you are. I want to be clean. I want to be pure. 